Look here, everybody. I am here live at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning. How are you, everybody? Please check in and let me know you are there. I am so excited today. We are concluding our series on the disciples then and now, and I get to do it right now in, in person, live, and I see you are signing in. Debbie Berg is the first name I see pop up. Good morning, Debbie. Hey, who else is out there? I see the numbers are uh, jumping up there, so I just want to see who is joining in live on Wednesday morning. You know, I'm really excited about uh, what's going to come for us in the summer, and I want to share that with you today. I see Linda Thompson is there. Good morning, Linda. How are you today? Y'all shout, give me a shout out and tell us how you are doing and give greetings to each other. I'm just so happy to be here live and in person and so far no technical difficulties. Oh, thank you so much, Father. So far, so good. I hope I can save this video so that I can put it on my other platforms so others can see it or hear it and, uh, I'll just say a prayer that I will be able to do that. Um, good morning, Edith. How are you today? And I see Renee is joining in and Peggy Justice. And there is Susan Higgins. We've already been communicating this morning about a funny dream she had. And <laughs> it all has to do with our plans that are coming up this summer. And I'm going to be sharing all of that with you very soon. I'll give you some little teasers today. First of all, this is our last lesson in this series. And then next week, we are going to meet at Heritage Park at 10 o'clock. Don't miss. We will have a wonderful time getting uh, reacquainted. And hopefully some of our new women who have joined us during the pandemic will be able to be there. And we can introduce them. And we will have a handout about summer plans. So be at the park so we can talk about all the summer plans. So as you know, the CDC has lifted requirements to wear masks for those who have been vaccinated. And so that opens up a lot of opportunities for us. It's the one we've been praying for. I tell you, I was at the end of my rope uh, last week uh, with technology, and it's been a struggle sometimes to get these lessons out and to put them on all the different platforms. And the last couple of weeks have been very stressful. And so I thought, I just don't know how many more weeks I'm going to be able to do this. And, um, and so you know what? Uh, God opened a door and has made the, the way clear for us to do some more things together. So we are looking at getting together in the summer. And, you know, I um, have been, I've been listening to all different uh, webinars and podcasts about how to move forward in this. And one thing I learned is that sometimes the model has to change but the mission stays the same. Our mission is to inspire women uh, to love the Lord and live for the Lord and then to spill his love 
everywhere. So that is not changing. But this summer, our model will change. I'm waiting to hear back from officers on their opinions about this. But we will be offering a variety of opportunities for you to get together at your comfort level. Uh, some of them will be in the youth center at church and some of them will be outside. Some will be lunch opportunities so that people can come and, and hopefully in small groups gather and get reacquainted with each other and um, maybe start re-entering. And so we'll be ready in August to roll out a brand new series. So this is actually, um, after today, I'm putting the home studio to bed for a little while and we'll be doing some other things. So there, those of you who tuned in right now got the, um, the skinny on what's to come. So plan on Heritage Park next Tuesday. All right, we have spent four weeks looking at the calling of of the disciples who later became his 12 apostles. Well, what we know is that Jesus saw something in each of them. As we learned about their characters and personalities, we thought, what in the world is he going to do with this person? But he saw them as individuals with their unique gifts and talents. And it's the same that he sees in us. And you know, some of them were loud and highly excitable. Anybody out there? Can you relate to that? Others were quiet and worked in the background. Anybody out there who can relate to that? Uh, but you know what? They all followed. When Jesus says, come on and follow me, they did it. So today I'm going to pick up with the chronology to see what happens after he called the 12. And this to me is so interesting to see his plan, how intentional he was to use these 12 and how he grew a ministry from the 12. And so we're going to follow that. So you might want to uh, take notes of, of the chronology. Well, he's called the, the fishermen now. And some were fishermen and, and we had one was a tax collector. Others had various businesses, and but he, he's now called them. And so they've left behind their, their jobs, their life, their families, and they're on a three-year mission. Now, at the time, they didn't know how long this was going to last. They have no idea that their in-person co in coaching sessions are going to last for a few years. So after they are all selected, he marches them up the hillside in Capernaum. And you know what he does? He takes them to Jesus' school. <laughs> you know, I've been on that hillside and it is magnificent. And you look out onto the Sea of Galilee and that's where he took them and he gives them a crash course in seminary. This is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And you know, Jesus multitasked this. He not only showed the apostles what it was going to mean to follow him, but there was a crowd gathered there, and so he preached this to a lot of people as well. Now, here's what scripture tells us, that when Jesus saw the crowds that are gathering around him, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to speak, and he taught them. Now, in this sermon, here is what he teaches. We First of all, we know the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, he's showing them what the difference is between the Christian and the world. And this is where he uses those similes of salt and light. 
So teaching, first of all, these, these are the categories that he taught about. He taught about the law with, he used six examples of Christian conduct. So listen to these because this is, these were the basics he was giving them. He taught about anger, adultery, divorce, oaths, retaliation, and love for enemies, okay? So that's in one session. That would be one video, I guess. Um, and then he taught on right religious practices. And so he taught them about offerings. They called it almsgiving. He taught about prayer, and he taught about fasting, all right? Then he moves on to this category. He said he talked about material possessions and your relationship with each other and our relationship with God. So in this category, it was earthly possessions versus heavenly treasures, and then depending on God and not judging others. Oh, do you see this outline? When you break it down into an outline, you see, wow. You know, I was a teacher for 25 years, and we did lesson plans, and we had to do um, the, the uh, planning for a, a whole unit. We called them units. And so you had to, to get all the, the units outlined and what you were going to teach in each one. That's what Jesus did. See, he modeled that for us. And then he sent them out to do ministry. At the same time he's sending them out, he's still teaching them. While they're doing ministry, he teaches. All right, so this goes on for a while, and then he expands the group. See, isn't that a great model for us that you, you, you go deep with a few, send them out, and then grow the group more? Uh, it's kind of like what we've done in the WOW Bible study. Start with a small group, and then we grow and grow. Well, Luke 10, verses 1 and 2, tells us what Jesus did. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. Remember, disciples are those who are learning. They're following a leader, a master teacher. And so he, he chose 72 more, and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And here were his, his instructions to them. He said, the harvest is great but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So that's what Jesus did. He called 72 more and he sends them out into the harvest. And then he says to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. How's that little lesson for us today? As we're sharing with others about what Christ is doing in our lives and we're just dropping little lines to people about the blessings we received. And some people will accept those and some will not. But here's what the truth is. If they don't accept those things that you share with them, they're rejecting Jesus. Who, and then he represents God and they're rejecting God. Isn't that an interesting thing Jesus taught them that is still important to us today? Well, here's what it, he continues saying in scripture. When the 72 disciples returned, they, get this word, joyfully reported to him. And here's what they said, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. There's power in that. Even the demons 
it will obey us and will listen to us and will do the things that you would have them do if we use your name. Wow, isn't that important, especially for leaders, to send people out and to talk to groups that they're leading um, and use Jesus' name and, and put prayer into it and just have the blessing of God on it and then do you know what will happen? Great things will happen. I see that you like that. I see that you're commenting on that. Well, they continue to minister and build the kingdom. And they now begin to move the ministry to new places. They're moving out of the Galilee. They're moving out of the area of Capernaum. And so, <clears throat> you know, we're going to continue the uh, what, what happens to them. So they're doing this for three years, and they're spreading the gospel. And I'm sure it was hard, and it was confusing uh, for many people. They were getting rejected, and it was hard. But they did this for three years. He, he started with the one and the two and the three and the four and up to number 12, and then he added the 72, and then he's adding all along as these are spreading the gospel. And they continue to build the ministry. And then comes the time of the crucifixion. Now, these same disciples who have been following him <clears throat> had been told repeatedly that of what was to come. Jesus was giving prophecy that this would end and that he would die and that he would go and, and prepare a place for them. And they had been told that over and over but they didn't understand it. And so then we get to the point of the crucifixion. So we've had the three years. They uh, have, have built a lot of followers, <clears throat> but it hasn't grown yet in expo exponentially the way it's getting ready to after the crucifixion. So when Jesus is crucified, these followers were so puzzled even though he had told them what was going to happen. And at this point, some of them desert him because they thought, remember, they thought they were going to have an earthly king, somebody that was going to take over the Roman government. And so many of them said, no, this is not what I signed up for. And so they desert him. And here's what happened, though, to those those 12 who had been faithful to him and still they were confused. And they, uh, after Jesus was buried and after uh, he was in the tomb, they had assembled together. They were struggling with their beliefs and, and what they thought had happened and what was going to happen. And they are walking along a road. We call it now the Emmaus Road. And they now have an encounter with the living Christ. And on this road, things become come together for them. They begin to understand what Jesus had told them all the long, along. These same disciples who had misunderstood Jesus when he was telling them about his coming death and resurrection were on this road now with the living Christ. And remember, some of them um, didn't believe it, it was him and they were, they needed to see his hands. They needed to touch him. They needed to hear him. They all had a different backstory about accepting who he was along that road. But here is what happened. They began to get clarity 
as Jesus began to connect the dots about the ministry and what he had come to do. And so in this encounter, the disciples began to discuss what had happened. It seemed as if they had forgotten what he taught them in Jesus' school. <laughs> they had forgotten it. And, and so what happens when we forget is we default to old stories that we've heard or told or or that we've lived. And so they, they just defaulted to things that um, Jesus had taught them and they, they knew how important it was for them to gather new disciples, but they had blocked out the part about what was coming when he died and that he would prepare a place. So he now has to take them to reform school. So they've been to Jesus school, they've been to seminary here, and, and then they're going back to reform school. Here's what he had to impress upon them on the Emmaus Road. They were going to have to seep into their hearts this understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for them. It had to become a living part of them in their hearts, in their minds, in their spirit, their whole being, until all of this truth was going to seep out. This is post-resurrection when it became real. Okay, this brings us to us. You know what? We are post-resurrection. See, we know the whole story. We know Jesus. We, too, have studied him. We believe in him. But do we really get it? Do we really know if everything about Jesus and his miraculous powers is seeping deep down in us so that it will spill out of every fiber of our being? Because that was the point in the road to Emmaus, so that they would know with certainty who Jesus was, is, and was going to be in the lives of billions of people. Well, here's, here's how it works with us. We get exposed to this information. We read the Bible, we study it, we hear lessons, and then we have to figure out what we're gonna do with what we know. Here's how I work it in my personal life with any information. When I'm given information about something, whether it's information about an illness, a friend, a problem either I am going through or someone I know is going through, I ask myself this question. What do I do with what I know? Just write that down. Think about that. What do I do with what I know? You know, that, when we focus on that, it, and we bathe that in prayer, and we ask for wisdom from the Holy Spirit to do what he would have us to do with what we know, our lives change, and so do the lives of everyone we come in contact with. This is the same question we ask when we have knowledge about Jesus Christ. What do we do with it? Is it seeping down into every part of our being so that it, we are so full of the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ that it is going to come out of us and that we are going to begin to spill his love everywhere? 
Well, that's what he was wanting to happen with the disciples. Many, I mean, they had a, a, a tough time. Remember Peter? Remember his denials? Thomas doubted. You know, they all had their backstory. We had the brothers who were the sons of thunder. We had Peter who had his highs and his lows. And, and we had people in the background. And what he's telling these now, this, this is what I've been talking to you about. And I am really getting ready now to launch you into a huge ministry. But it has got to seep in and seep out of you. Well, here's what happened. He is, has these, these 40 days left on earth. And before he can ascend into heaven, he is going to graduate his disciples who've now been to Jesus School, Reform School, and to seminary. And he is going to graduate them. Now, what's interesting is that was the custom of a rabbi. A rabbi would instruct them and in, instruct them to go and proclaim uh, that uh, about all of the works of God. And so this is, this is what they understood. Uh, they were getting graduated now. And what he was graduating them to do was to tell the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In addition, he told them they would be able to do everything he had taught them to do. Now, this is where they were probably a little scared because they were thinking, but you're not going to be with me. And you're not going to be there to, to uh, help give me direction. You know, I had uh, student teachers uh, on and off during my career as a teacher. And so that was like an internship. And so we, uh, as teachers, were responsible for guiding and instructing that teacher. And then we, you know, I would tell them at the end, okay, you are graduating now. You're ready to move forward and go on with your own classroom and your own abilities. And you're, you're, you're getting launched now. And they would say, but, I, but you know what? You were always there to kind of teach me and guide me. And I said, well, you know, I'll be there in a different format. You, you can always call me. You can, uh, you can come and visit me and we can talk through things, but you're launched to go and do your own teaching. And so this is what Jesus was telling them, but here's what he said. Here's the new thing they got. They didn't just get a, to do a phone call. He said to them, uh, this is in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, therefore now go and make disciples of all nations. That's their job. He is commissioning them baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them through the Trinity. And then he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. Oh, these beautiful words. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Aren't those beautiful words in scripture? This was the commissioning of Jesus telling them to go and tell they were to make more disciples. They were to baptize and teach these new disciples to obey Christ. And you know what? We are now fast forward 2,000 plus years. We are now a part of that same mission. I see that you're loving that. I see the hearts are coming out. That is the mission he's called all of us to do. It was their launching, their graduation ceremony where they were commissioned and that is what we read in scripture as the same commission for each of us. Um, we, uh, they were to use their gifts and their talents and all the teachings that uh, they had learned from Jesus. And you know what? 
we still have the same teachings. We have the Bible as the, the teachings, and he's given each of us gifts, just as he had given each of those apostles gifts. He's given us gifts so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. Well, the book of Acts is the history of the church. It tells what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. It is called the Acts of the apostles, the acts, the doings, the works of the apostles. And it is, uh, what we find is they did just what Jesus asked them to do through their great witness, through their work. The disciples who, are, who were called apostles now because they were the sent ones, the ones that are sent out to, to do the work that Jesus has prepared them to do, fearlessly preached about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. They began to uh, proclaim this new way of living. They were able to perform mighty miracles to back up their claims because he told them, you're going to be able to do the things I taught you to do. And you know what they did? They took the gospel to the ends of the earth. That was their commission and that's what happened. That is what they did. You know, God equipped them for that journey, and he equips us for the journey he's prepared for us. His resources in our lives are for purpose. The things that he's, he's given us, all of our abilities, our skills, our talents, our special gifts from the Holy Spirit are for a purpose, and we're not to hoard those, and that's what he told his apostles. You aren't to hoard these things. You know, you're called for a purpose. He makes that purpose clear in his final words to his followers right before he ascended into heaven. And that was the commissioning. You know, Luke tells these details in uh, the book of Acts. He uses a little bit different language, but let's look at that. It is found in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in, and then he lists the places, and he's expanding the circle of their reach with each of these words, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then he moves out bigger in the circle to more of Israel, into Samaria, and, and he adds, as far as the most remote part of the earth. You know, these are the marching orders for all followers of Jesus. This is what he has prepared us to do, to go and tell. And it's why he equipped us. You know, it's why he created us. He created us to go and tell and to go and share. We have this same holy, sacred obligation to go into all the world and make disciples. Well, after Jesus spoke these words, here is what we read in Acts. It it's in, continues in Acts 1. It's verse 9. After saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men st suddenly stood among them. And here's what they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing there staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, 
but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So there's the promise that Jesus is going to return in that same magnificent way that he ascended into the heavenlies. And here's what the scripture tells us next in the next verse. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Okay, you know what they're getting ready to do? They're getting ready to craft a plan. You know, all great leaders do that. They're, they have their marching orders, and then they go and they make a plan. They went into an upstairs room, and they gathered with them more people. They gathered 120 believers. Think about that. You know, when, um, well, um, before the pandemic was meeting, we'd have about that many in our room, didn't we? We'd have about 120. So imagine the size of the room. 120 believers were right there. You know what we call this? The, the first church business meeting. <laughs> the first order of business was to appoint a new apostle, you know, because of the Judas issue. <laughs> they had to appoint a new one. Matthias was the one who was chosen by Lot to replace Judas Iscariot. So they now have uh, restored their group of apostles to 12. And so um, after he has ascended, uh, they have this 10-day period. So after Jesus is resurrected, he had this 10 day, 40 days um, on earth where he was taking them back through school again and preparing them for what was to come. And then he ascends, and 10 days later, so a huge event is going to take place. So imagine for a while what those 12 apostles must have been thinking and planning and, and how they were trying to launch this next stage of the ministry. So they had this big gathering 10 days later. It was Pentecost. It was actually a traditional Jewish celebration, a big feast. And so Jews from many nations were gathered in Jerusalem. Think of the timeline. You know, they're, they're, this was just not like a coincidence. No, 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven, right there in that beautiful time of enthusiasm and excitement, and the apostles and the other believers were gathering and figuring out how to do. There were going to be Jews from all over many nations gathered together. Well, this is their opportunity, isn't it? And guess who is elected, sort of, well, appointed really by, by Jesus because he had gave, given him the name of Rock, Peter. So Peter is the new leader of the church, and Peter is the one that gets to preach. Wow, after all that he had been through in ministry with Jesus and even denying him in a big way, Peter is getting ready to preach. He is getting ready to talk to an international audience. It, it is going to result in this worldwide harvest of believers. Here's what we learn. It is found in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven 
like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Well, let's look at how that happened and what was going on. God made his presence known in that group of thousands of Jews from all over the world. He made his presence known in a spectacular way. There was a roaring wind, there was fire, and then the Holy Spirit descended upon them. The languages spoken by the Christians were unintelligible, but they were heard by thousands of Jewish pilgrims who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Shabbat. Imagine the miracle of that. The Holy Spirit descended on them. They were able to speak in various languages and the Jews from all over heard what they were saying. The languages spoken by the, the Christians were unintelligible, but they were heard by thousands of Jewish pilgrims. The Christians spoke of God's mighty work, and many of the people listening were amazed because they were hearing the message in their own languages. Do you see the miracle of that? All of a sudden, these faithful Christian believers were able to speak in another tongue, in another language. The apostles continue to minister now in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and that was the promise that Jesus had given them. I'm leaving you, but I'm going to leave one who is going to help you through any situation you encounter. Can I get an amen on that? That is the same Holy Spirit we have that can help us deal with any situation in which we encounter. You know, let's look at Peter and the power that he was given that day. Uh, he had been an unstable leader during Jesus' ministries and denied Jesus, but Christ had forgiven him and Christ restored him. We learned that in our lesson on Peter. There was a new Peter now. This Peter now steps forward uh, from this crowd, and he preaches to the crowd. Imagine having an audience after that happened. Can you imagine? That's what we want in our gatherings, isn't it? That's what we want in our churches and in our Bible story studies, for the Holy Spirit just to descend on everyone in the room and the leader to come filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and teach and preach and lead and inspire and encourage. And then those sitting in the crowd will go out inspired and encouraged and tell others. Well, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preached and about 3,000 were saved. 3,000. You know, even though Peter was interrupting unbelievers in the course of their day, I mean, he's shouting out, without a microphone, and he is telling of the gospel story. He quoted the Old Testament. He called, he called them sinners, 
And he told them they needed to repent and to be baptized. And he warned them to save their, themselves from their corrupt generation. That's what he's preaching. And this captive audience is all over these unbelieving Jews. And 3,000 of them turned to Christ on the first day. Do you see the power in the Holy Spirit? The coming of the Spirit transformed Peter into one of the greatest early church leaders who was building the budding church. Well, prior to, to Pentecost, when, when the Holy Spirit comes descends on them, Jesus' disciples followed him. They learned what he had to teach them, and they, they um, had retained the information he had given him. And in a sense, they were a church, a called-out assembly, but they were not yet the church that Jesus was going to establish on earth. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were all transformed. The Holy Spirit took this motley crew, this collection of apostles who had followed Jesus as, for as long as three years, and he turned them into a unified body, and we call that the church. As the church expanded beyond its Jewish roots because it's now moving to the ends of the earth, it was the Holy Spirit who brought each people group, each group into the church, replicating in them what happened at Pentecost. It's what's supposed to be happening today, isn't it? That that just gets replicated over and over First in Jerusalem, then in Samaria, and then to the Gentiles, just as Jesus had told them to do. They went out into the world to preach the message of Jesus, and we call it the gospel. They established Christian communities in many cities. Peter ended up going to Rome, and he became the leader of the church there. Many apostles preached the gospel among the Jews. And then we have Paul is the next established apostle because he had an encounter with Christ, and he brought the message to the Gentiles. That was the intentional plan. We heard in past lessons about what each of our apostles did and how they, where they ended up focusing their ministry and what became of each of them as they died a martyr's death. And this is how that happened, is after Pentecost, they each had a plan and they each sent out, were sent out in different directions. Jesus had given these apostles special abilities. Notice the promise of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would guide these men into these, this, this, all truth. He would guide them into all truth concerning what Jesus said and did. That's what he does for us. He guides us. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. Only those who were with Jesus from the beginning were uh, able to have that special relationship with Jesus where they were able to perform miracles. And uh, they, they were given that gift because that was the next step in building the ministry. So nobody else would have been in a position to know and to see what they had, had known and seen. And so he gave them these special abilities. They had a unique authority that Jesus gave them. Uh, they had special revelations from the Lord that were unique to that group. And their calling and their commissioning by Jesus included the ability to receive and communicate divinely with him. 
Well, you see, uh, Paul is the next one who had that same ability, and he was the last one to whom the Lord appeared. And his work moved the gospel throughout the ancient world because he went on three missionary trips, and that's how he began to get the message out into various other parts of the world. Um, he, except for Jesus Christ, Paul, as the, another apostle, is considered and recognized as the most influential, significant spiritual figure and contributor to the Christian faith and the Christian church. He ended up writing 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. So we had the 12 apostles plus Paul who had divine experiences uh, through the Holy Spirit that jump-started this church after Jesus ascended. You know, Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God, and here's what he says in there. When I read the book of Acts, I see the church as an unstoppable force. The church was powerful and spreading like wildfire, not because of clever planning, but by a movement of the spirit. Riots, torture, poverty, or any other type of persecution could not stop it. Isn't that the type of church movement we all long to be a part of? Isn't that what we want? The movement of the Holy Spirit to build an unstoppable force. <clears throat> you know, in this series, we focused on Jesus encounters that led to a calling. The important thing is that it's true that no one who encountered Jesus was left the same. Not much has changed in that regard since Jesus walked those streets in the roads of Israel. You know, we have encounters with him also that leave us forever changed. And the amazing good news is that once we've been changed, we don't have to worry about being qualified because God is the one who gives us the power and the gifts and the abilities to do what he's asked us to do. So if you feel like you lack a little self-esteem or you un feel ungifted or you're inadequate, don't worry. That makes you just the sort of person God can use if you just surrender your inadequacy to him. That's what the 12 did. He specializes in using people that aren't fit for the job. <laughs> Think about the boastful and reactionary Peter or the sons of thunder. See, he used them anyway. That's what he says of us. I'm going to use you anyway. God takes us where we are, and he moves us forward in our faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the greatest untapped resource in our world is the mass of ordinary Christians who feel unqualified to do just about anything. You know, there are so many who just say, I'm just unable to teach, or I'm incapable of witnessing, or I'm unprepared to achieve anything big for the kingdom. And so they become what we call pew potatoes, and, and they just don't think they're qualified. And you know what they say? Let's just let the gifted people do that job. It misses the whole point that God strengthens us in our weakness. Listen to what these people in the Bible had said. Job had said, I abhor myself. I hate myself is what he said. Moses said, pick somebody else. I'm not good at speaking. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. David said, my sin is always before me. 
Peter said, depart from me, for I am a wicked man. And Paul said, the evil which I would not, that is what I do. But they all surrendered, didn't they? If you surrender who and what you are to him, he can do wonders just as he did through each of these. He did the wonders through each of those and through the, uh, the 12, even though they blundered their way through life. Jesus chose the 12, not for what they were, but for what they were going to become. It was their potential that made them his choice. So what is your potential for being a disciple? See, from the beginning, Jesus told the disciples that he would make them something different. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you that. See, the occupation of catching fish changed into a mission of fishing for people. And each step along the way, Jesus taught them to share with others and connect with people and to minister with, to people with need. It's the same message he is teaching us. Jesus taught to and modeled for his disciples, expecting that they were going to reach the point where they could do it independently. That's what he's doing with us. The work of God gets done when we're just obedient, even if we're fearful, that we, but knowing that we will be filled with the, the power of the Holy Spirit to show love to one another. Jesus calls us with the same words he calls, called the other disciples. You know what they are? Come, follow me. So who do you follow? Do you follow closely to Christ? And do you act in obedience even when it's hard and uncomfortable? Or are you a processional caterpillar? <laughs> you know, processional caterpillars walk in these long lines, each following one, the person in, in I mean, the caterpillar in front. Now, there was this man who saw that there were a number of caterpillars marching around the base of this stone vase in his garden. And so he got some more vases and he filled in the gaps between the head of the procession and the last one in the procession. And he wanted to see what was going to happen. And so they went on following each other, each neighbor in front, and they just kept going around all these vases just over and over for a week. And they covered nearly a mile of distance, just aimlessly following the person in front. You know, we don't want to be processional caterpillars. We don't want to just follow people who don't even know where they're going. We want to follow Christ the King. One of the most well-known hymns of the Billy Graham crusade is, guess what? I have decided to follow Jesus. You know that one? It's such a beautiful hymn, and I know many of us have sung that. It, it was a it was a standard in the Billy Graham Crusades, wasn't it? Well, I want to tell you the backstory of that. Um, in the 1880s, a Welsh missionary to India who had endured severe persecution finally saw his first converts. A husband and wife with their two children professed faith in Christ and were baptized. Their village leaders now were appalled that somebody in their ranks had had decided to follow somebody else and so they uh, set out to make life miserable for this family 
They wanted to make an example out of this husband. So they arrested the family and they, they demanded that the father renounce Christ. And if he didn't, they said he would see his wife and children murdered. And when he refused, his two children were executed in front of him. Well, given another chance to recant, the man again refused and his wife was executed in front of him. Still refusing to recant, the man followed his family on into glory. Now later, witnesses told this Welsh missionary, the report said that when they asked him to recant or see his children murdered, here's what the man said, I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. After seeing his children killed, here is what he reportedly said, the world can be behind me, but the cross is still before me. And after seeing his wife pierced with arrows, he said, though no one is here to go with me, still I will follow Jesus. Is that our claim? Are we going to follow Jesus as those apostles did, as those early believers did, as this family in India chose to do? I pray that we will each make that commitment to follow Jesus with that same fervor of those who've gone before us. Let us be something different in the world with no turning back, no turning back. Oh, Heavenly Father, I come to you with such gratitude that you've given us this privilege to follow you. I thank you that we can look back on the life of the apostles and those early believers and see that they were given gifts and abilities just like you give us. But Father, deciding to follow you is a daily decision. Help us today to make that commitment to follow you today and to do the things that you would have us to do and to feel the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit so that we will do as you asked us to do with no turning back. It is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Well, it was good to be with you today. It's been good to be with you in this whole series. Uh, I can't wait to see you in person next week. And for the time being, we're closing the home studio, looking for bigger and better things. Goodbye now.